This is Ron Friends, comics illustrator, and this is a bumper for the amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. Be in 
uh, when, you know, kind of picking up where we left off at the end of the last issue. Um, yeah, I mean, Dan, I, 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 I had some issues with this comic, um, that, you know, I'd definitely love to go to blow by blow with you, but, you know, kind of talking in a, on a wholesale perspective, I mean, you know, the, the biggest issue was, yeah, it just, it just did not feel like this was enough story here. And, and also the story that we got, not that the, not that there was anything structurally wrong with it, but it was like, it just felt like it, it, it either it was nothing, we didn't get, we either didn't get new information or the new information that we got was just very predictable and, and very unordinary, or I should say ordinary. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> no, I mean, but for this comic, it's kind of un- unordinary because the comic typically goes into kind of strange places. And, and here it was like every time there was an opportunity to do something unique or interesting, it played it about as boringly safe as possible. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, to to that point, I mean, the joke I was going to crack when you were giving the synopsis a few minutes ago was, uh, you know, we, what we basically discovered, uh, the, you know, who, this, this thing that's been kind of this hanging in the background about Otto's grave being robbed, you know, who, who robs Otto's grave? And the answer was grave robbers. I that, mean, that's, that's it. <laughs> but, but what's even more strange about that is that they did that like a year ago in comic time. So, like, yes. for some reason, they've been holding on to this decomposing body for a year. They're like, we just can't sell this thing. Nobody wants it. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's and 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 like I said, it's it, there's not that there's anything wrong with that reveal from a storyline perspective, but but we really was kind of set up to be something more. But then again, you know, not to be snippy, but this is coming from the same writer that built up a, a mystery about the green goblin and the the reveal was that it was Norman Osborne with a face transplant. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's a pattern to this in terms of these like long-term mysteries that um, maybe, maybe we really shouldn't have high expectations about what the reveals are because I, I, I can't think of a single slot long-term mystery where I really have said to myself, wow, what a great payoff. And I, you know, like I said, if that, if that sounds mean, I don't, want it to be that way but this kind of like reinforced that idea don't you think i mean is there is was this like a a revelation to you (laughs) no i mean but i think there's i mean even just doing a simple thing like having the jackal steal it would go oh okay he like had this planned for such a long time you know this kind of backdoor thing and even if it wasn't that like exciting of a reveal it's better than it being like Literally nobody stole it. Like I mean, these people were never going to see them ever again. Like it, it, it's clear that there was no plan. Uh, whereas if it was like the jackal, at least you could have said, "All right, I could see that maybe he was planning this." Uh, yeah, and if and if Dan Slott's on Twitter as uh, you know after hearing you know hearing this episode or getting complaints from other people saying, "Well, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee did it with the Crime Master," I'm like, "Well, then you know I." Back in Amazing Spider-Man number 26 when the Crime Master was revealed to be a nobody, you know, I mean, unless Dan Slott's been like, you know, reading up on his Ayn Rand and, uh, you know, and, and objectivism and how, uh, you know, it sometimes it is just a nobody because, you know, we're not all exceptional little flowers, uh, <laughs> and then, then, then that's fine. But it just doesn't seem to be kind of, you know. We, we get these stories that are very fantastical and over the top and, and really pushing issues. And, and I like that. Um, but then when it comes time to kind of really, you know, pull, pull, not only say pull the trigger on something, but, but like you said, like there, there were a lot of instances in this, in this comic where we could have gone to a weird place and instead it was, it just it was a, like a very oddly safe safe and and predictable place um and um you know that's a little that's a little un, uh, a little little unsatisfying considering how how well this storyline has gotten off to in the previous two issues well I, I, something we had talked about before is that you know we felt like all these flashbacks were kind of getting like the story a little jumbled you know and, and i mm-hmm. thought the clone conspiracy did a great job of kind of ironing that all out like Peter was finally caught up. Everything was all caught up, and we were just going to go, you know, forward with this. And 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 talking about like not to bring up the Marvel movies, but something that I've liked about the Marvel movies 
is that, like, you know, I want a Black Widow movie, but they're not going to do a Black Widow history movie because they're all about forward momentum, those movies. You know, like, everything's about continuing that storyline. And I was kind of ready for that. So to have such a substantial flashback already just one chapter in, I thought was a little, like, strange. Not to mention that, like, I think this issue could have been a fine follow-up to issue 18, you know, where we got the first half of this story. You know, like, we know he's going to get back in the body, so why not just tell that story? I guess it would ruin that big shocking ending at the end of Clone Conspiracy Number 1, but I don't think any of us were that shocked about it. Well, right. That's the thing. I mean, we... I don't think... Anybody read this issue and was could have said that they were legitimately surprised by the the machinations of of what happened. I mean, like when when he scurries when the Octobot scurries off at the end of eighteen. I mean, it's like you know I'm saying to myself, okay, so he's going to somehow connect with New You and 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 Miles Warren, and that's exactly what happened. And and you know what twist was there like that he used what a, a voice scrambler to pretend to be some you know what i mean like like these these are not this this was this was stuff that could have been serviced again in in a, in a forward momentum kind of way um in in the next installment of this storyline um in a flashback in a brief flashback you know if or that a makes backup, sense backup like the backup at the end of clone conspiracy number 1 right right yeah. now now here's another issue, and, and and you know maybe this is just me being too precious with um, my comics and titles and legacy books and stuff like that, and 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 you know this is not a surprise per se, although I guess I was still surprised because I am being precious. But the fact that Amazing Spider-Man really is kind of the backup book in this story right now. Like that that just seems strange to me. I, I, I you know, like like to me amazing, especially over the last well, certainly since Brand New Day, I mean that's the that's the flagship book. That's the book where, you know, the big stuff happens and this felt very secondary to the clone conspiracy mini which is a mini, you know what I mean? Like like when when does a mini drive the main narrative, you know? So and and I do wonder um from a sales perspective when that comes in um if that's going to become problematic for marvel because you know amazing again that's 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 the book that people pull that's the pull list book um you know that's the one that's going to sell probably the most copies uh the miniseries less so i mean are you going to have people kind of being lost as to what exactly is going on because amazing seems to kind of be where we're going to be flashing back and and filling in the gaps from the clone conspiracy. Well, I don't think we're ever going to really find out because, you know, it's already been said that clone conspiracy number one is going back for a third printing. So, uh, you know, we haven't even gotten to the second printing yet, but it's already been a third printing has already been labeled for late November. So I don't know that we're ever going to see sales numbers reflect you know what that initial book sales is going to be like because they're all kind of lumped under one uh, on one roof. So I don't yeah. think we're going to see that. But I, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think it, I think it is causing marketplace confusion. Um, but I, I don't have any evidence of that. So right, you know. Well, I mean, I mean, seeing them kind of scramble online. I mean, there was definitely, like you said. I mean, kind of playing into the printing. I mean, there was definitely the sense I saw that retailers didn't order enough copies of clone conspiracy um which is like you said it's unfortunate but 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 even beyond that i mean like let's i mean sales and that's marvel's problem um in terms of us as readers and fans um i mean what do you think about amazing kind of being the backup story i mean i think it's interesting Uh, you know like I, i don't think this should be you know, the way to move forward with all these things, but why not try something new? Um, you know, I, I think probably what they saw is that people bought something like Spider Island and Amazing, but then didn't pick up these B books, which were kind of essential to the story. So they figure if they do the, you know, the B books essentially in Amazing, then 
you know, it'll, people will pick up the event as well as picking so they can sell, you know, double the books. Not the, you know, I think you kind of have to approach the analysis of this from a marketing standpoint. I mean, to me as a fan, yeah, I thought I think it would be great if it was in, uh, you know, in amazing. But you know, I, I read everything anyway, and and yeah, uh, but I, I'm not so precious about what goes on under what title. Uh, I mean, Clone Conspiracy says Amazing Spider-Man at the top, and so but to, by by my measure, it's Amazing Spider-Man. You know. Yeah. Well, we know that you have a very liberal definition of what oh, Amazing please. Spider-Man oh, is. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but, but moving on from this, um, one of, you know, the other, the other element of this story um, was this was, um, it was a Dan Slott plot, but this had um, Christos Gage actually writing the dialogue. And <sighs> I don't know, like, like, I think that was something else that kind of detracted a bit from me is is I felt like when when the book wasn't full of exposition there was also like the 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 dialogue itself was kind of missing the snappiness that that the last few issues of of amazing and the first issue of clone conspiracy have had and and that's you know I I, I don't know exactly what that is because I feel like Gage has, has more than proven himself to be a really strong writer so i I, you know i don't know if maybe this was just a a, a disconnect or maybe maybe it's an art thing i mean are we we ready to maybe you know are there some issues with giuseppe comancoli and 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 how they feel that they need to script or you know write dialogue for his visualizations i mean you know dan you're always the better analyzer of art and, and as a visual storytelling medium what do you think of that well I, you know i've been thinking about this a lot recently uh you know I, I haven't said this on the show but i'm starting to work on writing my own graphic novel and I, at, with every decision that i make i think about you know where am i going to communicate the information that i need to get across do i do i communicate it through the art or do i communicate it through the dialogue, and when you were asking the art to do it, it means relying on someone else to kind of communicate that. So I wonder, you know, maybe they get the stuff back from Common Coley and they say, you know what, we don't feel like it really underlined the point, you know, that we wanted to get across so much, and that's why you end up with such heavy exposition in a book like this. But I think there was heavy, a lot of heavy exposition in Clone Conspiracy Number One as well. So maybe they feel like a lot of people are jumping on to the book at this point, and so they need to kind of lay it all out for everybody. I mean, I can tell you our numbers spiked on our podcast with Clone Conspiracy number one, so I have to think more people are reading this thing, and that's kind of where they're coming from. Yeah. I mean, did you, putting aside the exposition, I mean, did you notice any differences in in the tenor of the dialogue itself in this issue? Like, I just, it just felt like it was off to me. Yeah, I agree with you, and I, I but I, and it's it's not something I typically characterize Christos Gage about because I normally think that his Oc is the best. Like I love yeah. reading his Doctor Octopus, and there's moments in this like I think once he gets resurrected, um, he has a bunch of lines about how much better he is than everybody, and and it already kind of starts with that kind of game between him and the Green Goblin about I'm going to help you out, but really I have my own ulterior motives. I liked all that, but everything leading up to that, yeah, with Anna Maria, I didn't – it didn't click for me normally like a Christos Gage issue does. Yeah, I, I, that's pretty much where I'm coming from with this. Um, so we, we we obviously see more of the man in red, and, and we did lots of speculation last time out about who he is and you know maybe things are not what it seems. And – um, Dan, not that I want to dismiss ever speculating about this character going forward, but you know, I don't know if this is just a, a byproduct of us talking about it so much, but I almost feel like it's starting to become a distraction for me in terms of this character because it's like, I don't know. And, and, and maybe I, I'm asking for too much as a reader. I mean, this is, if it's a mystery, it's, you know, let, let the creators unfurl it as they want, but that's the thing. We we we're, if this is a mystery, we really don't know it's a mystery yet. 
I mean, about I who this character is. When he was first is. introduced, it was a mystery because his face was often obscured. But now it just seems like common knowledge that it's just, you know, Miles Warren. Everybody refers to him that way. Right. But 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 then it but it goes back to the thing as if he's Miles Warren, then why why do we see all these other Miles Warren and never him? Yeah. And and that to me like that's the thing. Like I, I, I guess what I'm asking for is you know, and I, I have no right to make these demands, so but you know, speaking to you, Dan, and to our listeners is is okay. If if there actually is more to it, I feel like we need to start getting more evidence to that fact. And if there really is nothing else to it, then why do we keep obscuring his face? You know, yeah. like then that show him with the mask off. I mean, yeah. Do you think just the very nature of him wearing a mask is, I mean, like it is meant to hide the face. Do you feel like they're playing that up at all? Or do you think that they're just trying to kind of like lull you into uh, just being like calm about it and just expecting that it's Miles Warren? I mean, that could be the game they're playing is like to just expect that the reader takes them at their word. Um, I mean, I would much rather have like there be little clues or or like things. I mean, other than the visual clue that we picked up in the last issue, but have him doing things that seem out of character for Miles Warren. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Which we're not really getting because I mean, part of it also is we've had so many versions of Miles Warren over the years that you really can't say what's in character. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, yeah. like, like you, you need the visual clues, and and you know, from the get go, the the big visual reveal with this character was that there was something different about him. It was a different. It wasn't the same costume. It was, you know, like so. So why the change? You know what I mean? Like, like I guess that's what it boils down to. If 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 we are meant to just take it at face value, why the change? And and I'd, I'd like to see some of that being explored here and and it's getting to a point where if they're not going to do it and then end up throwing a curveball it's going to feel like a cheat yeah i don't know yeah. i mean i i see what you're saying but i i do think there's a fine line that like can be played with i mean like to go take it back to the green goblin we you know the comic had built up that reveal for months and months and really got us into a frenzy and peppered all kinds of clues regarding normie and all kinds of things that made us want to guess at it. And yeah, there was like Mason Banks was there the whole time, but we had whipped ourselves up into such a frenzy about it that when it happened, we were really disappointed. And I think even if they didn't whip it up, we probably would have been disappointed as well. So I could see Dan Slott saying maybe, let me take a different method this time and not really build this up and just kind of have readers expect that it's Miles Warren or something like that, and then you know surprise them. Yeah, Another, but you know, like there's a subtlety to no, it. Yeah, but I, I disagree because I mean, like I, I feel that if if you're if you're reading a mystery novel, you need to know that it's a mystery. Yeah, I I, I see that. I mean, I, and, I think and, and I think there's and an in between. The yeah, and 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 I just feel like this is like trying to ride that line right now and i'm not saying like i said maybe it's not a mystery but then like then we need to be be clean be clear about it and and you know we've i think the reason why we do think it's a mystery is because it seems to be in the pattern of what this these this one creator has done i mean like he 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 pays homage all the time to these lee and dicko and ramita stories of these like long running little you know the long game he calls it and um and i think that's great so so then why are we being so coy about it here you know what i mean like you know with every other major spider-man mystery you knew it was a mystery (laughs) you know what i mean like it was um this is just seems to be like we were introduced to it as a mystery and then all of a sudden they kind of pumped the brakes with oh no it's miles warren duh and (laughs) but like but then why are we still getting other things that indicate that it's a mystery (laughs) did you read this week's uh spider gwen yes well that that one kind of makes a joke about this where 
she pulls off Mysterio's helmet and it's J. Jonah Jameson. And then Actually, she pulls no, I off. Have not, I have not read this one yet. No. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Well, spoilers for that. Uh, okay. No, I only, I've only read Spider Woman so far. Okay. Well, they, they do a joke about this where it's revealed that Mysterio is J. Jonah Jameson. And she's like, that doesn't make any sense. And then pulls the Jameson mask off. And there's like four masks underneath. <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> um, and it eventually ends up being nobody. But like, it's great. I mean, like. Uh, that's the kind of humor I like. Uh, uh, you know, that book is great. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Sorry, yeah. I, I didn't mean to throw you off there. No, no, like, that's fine. Did I read it? No, wait, no, I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, like, so, so let's go back to my theory about Norman Osborn. Do you think this issue throws any wrenches into that theory? It's hard to say. I mean, I don't think there's anything that disqualifies it just yet. I, 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 again, like when he talks. I, I liked how you pointed out last episode that this sounds and feels like Norman Osborn if he was sane, you know, yeah. and I think that's in line. And, and there there were some like kind of cracks to Otto when he was getting his body back that I felt when I read him, like I could hear Norman saying that to Otto. I mean, that that, that might even be in some of the exchanges that we got in superior, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's makes sense, right? Yeah. And, and Norman and Otto have never been close buddies or anything like that. Um, so like I could see a hesitancy about wanting to resurrect Otto because that, that does not seem to be in his playbook. Although I will say, I found it a little odd that knew you wasn't interested in Otto's body and, you know, Otto kind of manipulates it. So they have to buy and resurrect him. But then why is the man in red storing Otto's tentacles? If he wasn't planning on cloning Otto, was he going to give them to someone else? That, yeah, that, I don't find that – that I mean he could have just created a new Doc Ock, like a different kind of Doc Ock. I mean that's not – I guess you're right. You could do with Electro. Yeah, I mean – and especially – I mean you mentioned that Norman and Otto aren't buddies. I mean technically the last new story we got involving those two characters, they were they were even further – you know, they they were not just not buddies. They were like, you know – very bitter adversaries, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, that might explain why he had no interest in, in bringing Otto back. He didn't want to go down that rabbit hole again, so to speak. Um, but um, anyway, I, 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 not to go tangential there, but I just, I, I needed to get that off my chest. Um, you know, you mentioned in this comic that we kind of had a return to the mindscape uh, sequence in this one again, where, Otto fights to regain his body from what was left of Peter's memories in it. And yeah, I mean, this was an okay enough scene, but like, you know, I feel like we've gotten this already uh, in many forms. Um, I mean, and I kind of, I'm, I'm ready to move on from the mindscape. It, it's like a pale reflection of superior Spider-Man number nine. And, and with so much of this issue, like, doing callbacks to Amazing Spider-Man 700 and Superior Spider-Man number nine. Like, it's unfortunate, but Giuseppe Comancoli's art and Dan Slott's storytelling, like, they can't stand up by comparison to those moments. So they just kind of feel like the cheap reruns, you know, uh, uh, of those scenes. As as fun as it was, and, and I think it was also a missed opportunity to do something really unique, you know, like... Maybe reverse the superior Spider-Man thing where, you know, uh, uh, you know, we have a reborn Otto with, you know, him controlling that body with a Peter Parker ghost following him around or something. Like, do something weird and daring with the character so that when, you know, that, that informs us why this issue is important. Like, if it was Peter and Otto's body that ended up winning in this issue, which obviously it wasn't, uh... How great would that be of an issue of recontextualizing the ending of Clone Conspiracy Number One? You know, to me, that would have validated spending a whole issue on this. Um, but instead, it just works out exactly like you would have expected to work out. Yeah, I agreed. Um, which is kind of anticlimactic, for lack of a better 
um, phrase. Um, I mean, but even but, how Otto beats him in the mindscape is anticlimactic. Like Peter or Spider-Man tears his tentacles off, and then Otto somehow beats him. I'm not really sure. It wasn't very clear yeah. in the artwork. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of felt like. I mean, it just kind of almost feels like Peter just kind of disappears. I mean, I, I, I didn't even get a sense that he was definitively beaten. It was, I, I, I don't know. I mean. It's like the wind what button, do, yeah. Yeah. I, what, what, do, what do you think of um, Otto's characterization in this? Uh, which part of it? Like, uh, like, like one, once he's back in the body and stuff like that and, and regains things. I mean, <sighs> You know, and again, if I'm if I'm sounding nitpicky, I apologize. Um, you know, I understand that the, this version of Otto is not the same Otto from the end of Superior because of all the timeline machinations. But like, the thing is, this Otto still ex- had experiences as Spider-Man with Peter's memories, um, and and I I, I just feel that. There's a disconnect from that. Um, you know, I know that, yeah, it makes sense that Otto would probably go over the edge and relapse under, you know, with the impression that he lost. And that's what, you know, but like, I feel like we're really back to square one with this character in terms of his personality and his just, you know, the, 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 the megalomania and, and the villain, the super villain elements. And, you know, we'll we'll see if maybe they're if they're going to go in a different direction with it. But again, it's like you know, we spent all this time with this character in Superior Spider-Man, and and you know, in large part to kind of see a new side of him. And now I almost feel like that's been rendered moot by by this by returning to this old classic characterization of him. I see what you're saying, and, and I agree with you for the most part. But I, I could also see, you know, not to bring this back to modern politics, but, you know, you have this egomaniac. And I thought in issue 18 where he finds out that he, like, relinquished his body to Peter and he refuses to accept that and kind of loses it there. He's mm. wounded and he's overcompensating. You know, like, I could see him as, like... You know, when when you attack the like the very core of what makes that person that person, and, and Otto is driven by his ego, and you attack his ego and suggest that you know he's an inferior copy. I could see him overcompensating like a wounded. You know, like like he's mm-hmm. he's in full on rage mode right now, and and and, and that makes sense to me. My God, the analogies, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. Um, no, it's fair, um, and and and, and I, I I buy that. I just I guess you know again as a reader, I almost feel like we I I I, I loved taking that journey with this character, and, and you know you never want to feel like it's all for nothing, and 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 you know. Where it, it makes total sense to get to that point, I, I, I do hope that we can still kind of build on that journey a little bit, even if it's just in very subtle ways. And 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 you know, I just hope that uh, the, the this creative team keeps that door open. Yeah, I hope that down the line we get an auto who is essentially the superior Spider-Man. Just it's auto, you know. Like yeah. it would be interesting to see this kind of warring. You know, like technology trying to keep New York safe through different methods. I mean, I think that's what we always wanted. You kind of take Superior Spider-Man and and Spider-Man and actually have them face off in in, in a war of ideologies. Definitely, uh, I did like that Otto. You know, we basically got Ramit, John Ramita Senior Otto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that when he's cloned, somehow the clothes come with it. <laughs> it's like this guy has worn this outfit for so long; it's become linked to his DNA. You know, I mean, there's, 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 there's the, to me, there's two acceptable autos. There's Ramita Senior Auto, and then there's Mark Bagley. You know, white white suit, CSI Miami Auto. Uh, <laughs> you don't um, like trench coat, uh, Humberto yeah, Ramos? Uh, nah, uh, I'm not a big trench coat or auto no, guy. Me neither. I think it's goofy. Um. 
What what other big storyline points do you want to hit on here? Well, you know, there's a couple of um, of things I thought were curious um, in this. I mean, there's the idea that Otto could cure this, you know, clone degeneration thing that's been baked in. And I don't really know why the man in red would allow him to do that because it seems like it was an intentional thing so he could maintain control over his, uh, you know, his clones. But um, – it does leave an interesting opportunity for you know Otto to stay around after this story, but then you ask yourself, who else could this apply to, and is there is this their way of bringing Gwen back, you know, uh, uh, to life uh, by kind of making her not degenerate as a clone? Man, that would be that would be wild if this is the story that brings Gwen back. I mean. I mean, I think I we're going to get that with someone, right? I mean, it's not just going to be Otto that's around for good, right? I mean, I, I, we're going to say we imagine that Otto is going to be around for good, um, but like that's got—he's got to be carrying someone else with him. I mean, th- th- if you introduce that element, to me, it seems like Dan Slott would take that opportunity to to bring back a classic, you know, like uh, supporting cast character, in, you know, to stay around. Yeah, maybe. Um... We'll see. I mean, it, it just depends on the direction. I mean, I, I, I personally think there are other, more in the short term, storytelling possibilities that tie into not, you know, Peter not being able to save Gwen again, for example. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I think, you know, I mean, obviously they're kind of set up as adversaries at, in, in this time, but I. I and I shouldn't say never or I don't expect, but, you know, my my instinct tells me that that's not going to be how it is throughout the duration of the story. So, you know, how how tragic would it be to kind of, you know, have have things where they are now and then come to some kind of resolution and understanding and then have it all get pulled away and ripped apart again? You know, like I feel like that's a good Spider-Man tragedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and 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 same with a lot of these other characters. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Peter has failed these characters one way or another, and and these are the failures that define him. Um, that's that's what makes him who he is. And and to kind of, I don't know, get a second chance, even under twisted circumstances. I don't know if that is a good thing for the character. Well, we're going to find out. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is, um, you know, there's this brief mention of Simcaria. Who was interested in Otto's corpse? Did you, you know, for for people who don't know, Simcaria is the like home country of Silver Sable, who died in in Ends of the Earth, but didn't we think, kind of because there yeah. was the hint that she didn't die. What did, did you take anything away from that mention of Simcaria? Um, well. Operating under the understanding that I don't think she's dead. I mean, you know, yeah, it's it's definitely a way to kind of reintroduce that. And obviously, you know, she died in Ends of the Earth, which is Dan Slott's story. We we all know that Dan Slott loves to, to pay off his own stuff. Um, so yeah, um, this would certainly indicate that 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 is the portal to getting Sable back into the mix. So. And also uh, in this issue, we saw like Kingpin was like spying on this. Do you think that that like finding out that Kingpin is spying on what was going and knew you? Do you think that's who that shadowed character was in Clone Conspiracy One outside of um, uh, of the house wh- where Peter and Anna Maria visited? Oh, you know, I didn't even make that connection, but that does make sense. That that Fisk is kind of the. You know, but what's his what's his long game out of it? You know what I mean? Besides just information. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it all kind of dovetails, or doesn't. Yeah. Uh, what all do you right. think about the art in this book? Well, I mean, I think I think we 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 talked a little bit about that too in the beginning in terms of <clears throat> the, some of the exposition and and you know we having is is that a reflection of the storytelling? I mean, you know, this this kind of felt like. Not to be glib, but like a run-of-the-mill Kamikoli issue. Um, nothing, nothing jaw-droppingly great, but nothing uh, you know offensive either. I mean, we talked about with the with the mindscape scene; it just didn't have the same 
panache as, yeah. as Superior Nine. Uh, uh, you know, like I, 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 I really do like Common Coley, and and I think he does some good work. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think the fact that some of these we're, we're starting to point out some consistent, you know, some consistencies and criticisms regarding the stories themselves in the issues that he's penciling. And, and you really do have to wonder if, if they're one and the same. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought this issue was fine. And one of the things with common Coley, I'd love to see him do is like vary his camera angles up a bit. I feel like everything is always presented in a very flat, like, you know, like either the characters are all posed looking at the camera. I mean, it's just, there's nothing, there's nothing like, the lead, you know, the, uh, you know, artists, uh, you know, are the fill in artists. Like he just, he can draw these buildings and, and characters well. And, and I think his auto is genuinely creepy. Um, he does this thing with Otto's eyes behind his shades, which I find really disturbing, but mm. I, I never feel like there's truly dynamic, like camera angles that really emphasize the story that he's trying to tell. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. Those are definitely good observations. All right, grades. Uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this right smack in the middle a C. And I'm gonna give it a C too. All right. Well, la di da, Dan. La di da. I can't right. believe I'm dating a woman that says la di da. Oh, what's that a quote from? It's from Annie Hall. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I finally saw that, Dan. It was great. You did. It's a great movie. Good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of which, let's get to our comments and emails. Well, of course, you can uh, email us at amazingspidertalk at gmail.com. Uh, tweet at us with the hashtag okay to print if you got any questions or comments for the show leave us a voicemail at nine red goblin which you know i'm glad we got that phone number now dan yeah uh, <laughs> i hadn't thought of that but but yeah you're right if my theory ends up being right i'm gonna take total ownership of the red goblin thing yeah the man in red goblin how about that <laughs> oh, there you go nine red goblin leave us some voicemails yeah and and of course uh always leave us uh comments over at our our itunes page when you uh download our show and hopefully subscribe to it or at stitcher or google play or on youtube too um do, are we we gonna re- read comments on youtube dan or are we just gonna kind of let that be we'll let that be and you know okay. if, you have, <laughs> if, you, if you have theories about who the man in red is that it isn't Norman Osborn, you know, call us in and let us know what they are. You know, it'd be fun to start, uh, you know, a rumor mill going. Yeah. Well, who, who's our uh, first email from Dan? Our first email is from Eric Cox and he wrote a really nice email to us about, um, how he kind of fell out of, uh, of getting excited about the issues. But when he heard that Dr. Octopus was back, he knew he had to read it because he loves reading Dr. Octopus and um, so, yeah, so his question – he followed that up with a question for us. He said, my question is, has there ever been a character in Amazing Spider-Man that kept you interested in reading the book besides Spider-Man himself? Perhaps maybe we weren't digging a, a, a writer's run on the book, but we really liked one of the supporting characters. Mark, do you have, do you have a character that does this for you? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, although like – I also kind of feel like it depends. I'm going I'm to answer this question two ways. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to first give like a non-answer in that um, I I I think it's worth mentioning in relation to this question how there have been periods on the book where there have been such strong subplots involving the supporting cast that that has actually been like kind of like the main reason to read a book like that. The first thing that leaps to mind is like the, the early nineties, late eighties, when we had like the trial of Joe Robbie Robertson, uh, with tombstone, uh, during the Jerry Conway run on like web of Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man. I mean, like 
I couldn't even tell you what Spider-Man was doing in those stories, but I could tell you about the the Robbie and, and Tombstone story, and and certainly some you know with some villains you know like Doc Ock and and, and Green Goblin. I mean to kind of maybe pick someone um, non obvious. I I would say. Villain-wise, I always get up for a, a Mysterio story, um, and then non-villain. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for Jonah. Give me a good Jonah story, you know. Like if if there's a major arc involving something, and we really haven't gotten one in a while now. Um, but yeah, if you give me a major arc with Jonah, I mean, like I'm a very happy man. How about you, Dan? You know, Jonah was going to be my answer as well because the one that jumped to mind for me was, you know, the beginning of the Brand New Day stories. I thought there was some kind of – you know, it was still kind of finding its footing. But there was a great thing with Jonah losing the bugle and, you know, having a heart attack and then having to go like – I always remember the scene where he works out in Central Park and his kind of quest to like, you know, fight back for control over the Daily Bugle and – I loved that interpretation of Jonah, and 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 I would tune in just to get excited about what Jonah was going to do next in his crotchety, angry state to try to win back his beloved newspaper. <laughs> so I, I was all I was all about that, and uh, and anytime you put Jonah in like a bad situation that he has to kind of get his way out of, I'll read I'll read it. Yeah, for sure. Jo- Jonah is probably my pick. Um, just to kind of. Given, put another thing out there. I would say, well, until rec- the recent characterization, I would say Black Cat was somebody that, you know, when she show up for an arc, I, I, I would be happy to read that regardless of what was going on and what the writer was and what Spider-Man was doing. Is that, I mean, anyone else on your, you know, in that vein that you you would think of? Roderick Kingsley. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, I mean, I, even just the reveal story, like Hobgoblin lives. It, it, it's not even really a Spider-Man story. It's a Roderick Kingsley story. Yeah, and, and the, that that great Hobgoblin uh, Axis mini that we got a couple years back was with from um, Kevin Shinnick and Javier Rodriguez. Was was yeah. I mean, that was that was a treat. Yeah, Kingsley's always going to be a favorite. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't say Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock, well, oh, shut up, Brock. Lethal Protector was not particularly great. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, as much as I love the character, there's there's been some, um, you know, less than, than satisfying thing. Okay, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go deep cut, all right? Here, yeah. Here's another one. Hypno Hustler. <clears throat> no, no, no. I mean, and... and I, I you probably argue if this is even a Spider-Man character, but in terms of like someone that uh, really attracts my attention, the Taskmaster. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that is interesting. I I I, I love the Taskmaster. I love the whole concept of it. Um, you know, I, I um, unfortunately I don't think he's done a, a m- many great s- stories with Spider-Man. He's done a couple. I think all of them written by David Michelinie because he created the character. But yeah, I mean like. I, I would I would go gaga tomorrow if there was like some big like three or four part arc with the Taskmaster. I'm surprised you haven't said Ben Yurick yet. Oh, uh, well Is that is that more the, Daredevil oriented? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and he's in Spider Woman right now and I don't know, like I, I, I just I don't yeah. That's a good point though. Uh Good question, Eric. Thanks for writing. Yeah, you got us going. (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's talk about some spider news. Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. Well... We got some solicitations that dropped uh, just uh, earlier this week, Dan. Um, you know, we, we kind of got this tease uh, going back, but now we know the issues exactly that we'll have Spider-Gwen and Miles dating, it would appear. Uh, Kissing or something. Yeah, they, they're, they're doing something in the tree. Uh, what do you think? I mean, we'll see. It doesn't seem like 
um, a natural match to me. Like, I like should think, they be from the same universe? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that this is a this is an this is the next Supreme Court case inter interuniversal dating or <laughs> interuniversal marriage. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I kind of feel like both books probably should just would do, would do better just focusing on their own stories but i'm not going to write it off before i read it it's just it's an interesting thing i mean what is interesting to me specifically to to gwen is i mean there it almost feels like there's been this concerted effort to um you know since spider woman gwen stacy was created to to really take remove any romantic elements from the from the character um and so and and you know with that in mind it's like i kind of wish there was something there but then if if we have been taking if they've been creators have been consciously taking that away from her is it for a specific reason do they not want to like fall into the old traps of gwen kind of being I don't want to say sexualized, but I don't know, like kind of damselized. I don't know. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, 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 I mean, this is a character that was created as a romantic interest in, in the initial run of Spider-Man in the sixties. Um, so like just to kind of put all this work in, in the, in the, the 2000 teens and making her a hero or a heroine and, and you know, that where, where love and romance is irrelevant. It's like, yeah, but she should have a romance because that's a natural progression for the character. But I, you know, does that cheapen the character? What do you, I mean? Does that? What do you think about that point? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my my bigger thing is like I don't know even know if it's something I I need from the story right now. I mean, she's powerless in her own title, and and I kind of want the focus to be on that. You know, like uh, what does it mean for her to not have superpowers? anymore and and maybe that's the entry point for miles to come in and try to like help her out get her powers back or something but i mean to me that book is on its own wavelength and i kind of want it to stay that way but you know spider women was a great crossover so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say they can't do it well you know yeah um, this next item, Dan, I'm just, this, this just plays into your wacky conspiracy theory. So I'm going to let you go on it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in the solicits this week, uh, we got the new cover for, uh, for the new, for the new silk book that's coming out in January. And, uh, it's in her and her silk worm costume, which we'll talk about in a second. But the background of the cover is, this is a tie into the clone conspiracy and it's got all the characters that we've seen resurrected in and appearing in the clone conspiracy, except uh, there's there's one person who appears in it and one person who doesn't appear in it, and it's kind of uh, it kind of plays in my theory. There's it's a clone conspiracy cover, but with no Jackal and no Miles Warren, but the Green Goblin is on the cover. Uh, so maybe by then we have the reveal that the Green Goblin is. Uh, Miles or is the jackal. So I don't Stop know, Mark, the presses, you're, you're shaking my head, your head here. But and also weirdly of note is that Massacre appears on the cover. So are, is he going to come back to life? Oh goody! Oh goody! So uh, um. <laughs> there you go, Massacre. Um, and then we had the cover for Amazing Spider-Man number twenty-three, which has Gwen unmasking Peter. Um, I don't have much to say about this except that I think this is a really beautiful cover and really exciting um, because it'll be fun. I think I think the uh, bringing Gwen back with her memories, um, having her unmasking Peter is kind of an emotional beat we've never seen from the series or that was robbed from Gwen, and I think it has a, a lot of potential to be really interesting. What do you think about that, Mark? No, I agree, and, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying in the in the review segment of the show, which was that. Um, I think there's some potential to sell to tell a really tragic story here with Peter and Gwen in a, in a lot of different ways, and and you know it seems to be that's the direction it's headed. Um, there's going to be something tragic that comes out of this one way or another. Um, but yeah, this idea of like Gwen finally seeing the truth of her of her love or her her lost love, um, and kind of what comes from that. Um, no, that's it's an it's an exciting idea. Um, 
and, and hopefully it's, it's, it's paid off with kind of the gravitas that such a moment should be. Great. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it. Um, and then, you know, New York Comic Con was a couple weeks ago, and there was a clone conspiracy panel there. And, you know, most of the stuff that was revealed there was not anything really shocking. And most of it's already come to pass. Like, it was a lot of stuff about the first issue, which we've already, you know, discussed. Um, but we did get to see the design for Silkworm, which is, um, uh, you know, Cindy Moon's new alter ego when she goes to San Francisco. So that people don't like, you know, pick up that she's kind of associate. Cindy Moon is up there, and if Silk appeared at the same time, people might put you know one and one together. So she adopts this new personality. What did you think of the redesigned costume? I mean, we'll see. I mean, in terms of Silk, you know, I I'm I'm still kind of at a not at a loss, but but kind of wondering what the what the ultimate end game for this character is because I, I she just really does feel kind of i don't know superfluous in this universe right now <laughs> but but um we'll see i guess i mean it, 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 until until they come up with some other way to shake up the status quo with her we'll we'll just i guess keep going one thing after the next right yeah and then the other i guess big news uh, is that Marvel is going to be doing um, a brand new Spider-Man show that's just called Spider-Man so far, or Marvel Spider-Man, um, which, you know, I, I know a lot of people were not very happy with Ultimate Spider-Man and what it, you know, became. And this seems to be kind of more of a back-to-basics, less team-up heavy thing. And um, I guess the interesting thing pertaining to us more specifically, other than our love of the character, is that Dan Slott is going to be working on it as the consulting pro- producer, which I think mostly just means that he's going to be basically helping them design the world of this character. And and to that point, Horizon Labs is going to be in this series as Horizon High School, which is where Peter will be attending. So in a way, Max Modell and some of of uh, Dan Slott's creations are finding their way into the animated series, which has got to be very exciting, exciting for him. Um, it'll get a lot more eyes on it than his comics ever will. That's true. Um, and this is going to be like Disney XD, like the other, have they announced that yet? Or, um... yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it is. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's something to look forward to if, especially if you aren't happy with ultimate Spider-Man, um, you know, you might get a new take that you really enjoy. You know, I got to say, I'm not as ignorant to all the animated stuff as I was, but I, I, I still have watched very little Ultimate Spider-Man, so I don't really have an informed opinion on it. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I've seen an episode or two and a couple of clips, and none of them have ever done it for me, so I, I never really bothered to check it out. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, I guess it's time for us to check out. Ooh. Ooh, see, that nice. was smooth. Yeah. Getting better at this, Mark. Watch out. (laughs) Of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and our old Superior Spider Talk podcast at superiorspidertalk.com. And that also includes iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Which uh, Thanks for subscribing to us on YouTube. Uh, That's been fun to see people kind of jumping on board there. I think we're getting somewhat of a new audience. And, uh, yeah, all you have to do is go on any of those services, search for Amazing Spider Talk or Spider-Man, and you'll find it right away. And if you do, we'd love to get a review from you because it really helps grow our audience. It boosts us in our placement on iTunes, and that's how people find us. Awesome. Yeah, and also be sure to check out our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin. If you want to keep up with the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. So, Mark, did you ever get your uh, Chasing Amazing t-shirt in the uh, mail? I did. I did. And, and uh, I got one for my son, too. And I, I wore I, – we've been wearing the shirts. That's great. They're lovely. They're lovely. Do you have any new – did you get any new shirts for yourself, Dan? Yeah, I did. I actually ordered a Chasing Amazing shirt myself. So – we're representing on both coasts of the U.S. I love it. I'm a little embarrassed to admit it. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on. But I was a big fan of your blog long before we ever did anything on this podcast or our site. So, Yeah, and I've always been a big fan of your blog, Dan. Oh, yeah, sure. You hate my, my movie reviews. Uh, yeah, all, all, I, all I know is, you know, you sent me your podcast and... 
I disagreed with it. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you still came on board. And that was before we did the show. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to check out any of the shirts or um, other merch, we got all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, just go to our superiorspidertalk.com and click on the store button and uh, and check it out. We got some awesome merch coming your way. So, uh, speaking of, uh, of online uh, connections and things like that, Mark, where can we find you chasing amazing away uh, on the internet? Well, you know, you, you could, of course, find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. Uh, none of my, my sports teams are in the playoffs right now, so uh, my Twitter feed uh, should be uh, not as annoying. Oh, wait, do you don't like political talk? Uh, you probably shouldn't be following me right now. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, who are you rooting for, the Dodgers or the Cubbies? Oh, I, I want to see a Cubs-Indians World Series, and we're halfway there, and it sounds, you know, so obviously with the Cubs there, I, to me, I feel like, I know you're from L.A. and, you know, I don't want to offend you, but, you know, Cubs and Indians, it's like truly the the last two f- tortured franchises. So if one of those teams, win, well, if both make the World Series, one of them has to win, which means one fan base will finally just have to shut up about it. And well, I, I kind of like that I like idea. the Dodgers, I think the Cubs, oh, they, they like are owed uh, go. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to sound kind of snide about it, but you know, there is a part of me that's like, not that I would root against the Cubs, but I kind of want to see the Cubs do it just for the sheer fact that I'm really tired of their fans being so insufferable about how they've always lost. <laughs> well, there it's kind of like, it's kind of like how the Red Sox were up until a few years ago. It's like, all right, just win so we can move on. <laughs> so all of these opinions and more on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> at Chasing ASM blog. I, I'm selling it, Dan. What about you? Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Sup Spider Talk, fighting back, posting political things. I, I've been pretty good on Twitter not uh, to not let my feelings come through. So, so be glad that you're not getting more of it on the show if, if you're already annoyed by us. So, but there you go. Sub Spider Talk on Twitter, all Spider-Man all the time, all kinds of goodness. And, uh, of course, you can read all of my reviews and stuff on superiorspidertalk.com. Of course. So, Mark, you know, every week we do this show is another week that your Uncle Ben dies and is ultimately cloned again. Have you ever had any strange glitches in the system during your cloning process of your uncle? You know, Dan, let me start by saying I, I really don't appreciate how glib you are about the all the ways that my uncle has died over the years. Uh, it's it's a little offensive, but... Um, I mean, I'm just following trends. You seem quite glib every week. Well, you know, all I know was um, the, there there was this one time where, I, you know, I, I, I needed to bring Uncle Ben back. Um, and um, when I when I resurrected him, he he was looking at me and and he started talking but he he didn't like sound like himself <clears throat> he 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 was just kind of like he started talking about wheat cakes and 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 you know how he was an old fuddy-duddy and and you know wanted to like start a boarding house and stuff and and it really got me worried and i realized oh crap this must be like a version of my uncle ben where he had a brain swap with my aunt may does that happen uh, often i you know the timeline is infinite, Dan. I mean, you know, come on, multiverse, right? There Science, you go. sure, sure. Um, you know, so um, yeah, so his brain patterns were all messed up. Um, but you know, my, my I, I, I couldn't. My aunt May was she's out of town, so I was like, all right, how am I gonna how am I gonna break into his his mind to to, to get him back on track? Um, so, you know, I, I used my own, you know, little mindscape manipulator device that I had lying around. Is, <laughs> and that, I, is that like your VR system that you rejiggered to, to do that? Exactly. So, um, you know, I rejiggered the system, as you mentioned, Dan, and, um, I went into the mindscape and, and, uh, you know, but and my my Aunt May's brainwaves were very combative. I mean, like you know, they were like they kept throwing Hostess cakes at me, which I thought was weird. I don't know something about Galactus. Anyway, um, <laughs> golden oldie. Yeah. So moral of the story, I I I you know, unfortunately, really 
didn't know what I was doing in the Mindscape. I've never really been in there before. And um, by going into there uh, without really much of a compass or, or, or a clue, um, I, I, I disintegrated my Uncle Ben's brain uh, and he, he dropped dead again. I, I was fortunately able to rematerialize out of the Mindscape in the nick of time or I would have been trapped in there. Um, but, um, you know, as, as I jumped out of the mindscape, uh, my uncle Ben said, well, his brain was empty. So he didn't say anything. <laughs> I mean, come on. But if he could say uh, something, what would he say? He, exactly. If he could, he would have said with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk.